Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. Heads up that you also might hear two different hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. With that said, on with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's November 2nd. Marie Antoinette was born on this day in 1755 in Vienna, Austria. She would go on to marry Louis, the Dauphin of France. He would become King Louis XVI in 1770. She was only 14 when they got married, and this marriage had been arranged when she was 10 years old. She was kind of a pawn in all of this. The whole thing was meant to connect the House of Habsburg with the French Bourbons. That was going to make a diplomatic connection between Austria and France, hopefully preventing future wars, resolving from conflict, from past wars, When Louis became the king in 1774, he and Marie Antoinette pretty quickly became emblematic of what people thought of as royal excess. And this was in the years leading up to the French Revolution. They were also really heavily criticized and scrutinized because their marriage wasn't consummated for many years, although they did eventually go on to have four children. Marie Antoinette herself was heavily criticized for all of the expense that went into things like her hair and her gowns. She had hundreds of elaborate dresses. There were people who said that it was her who was causing France's financial problems with all this money that she was spending on what she was wearing and what was in her hair. And she did spend a lot of money on all that stuff. But that was still a really tiny part of what was going on in the French economy. That included some economic policies that had been just disastrous, plus expenses that were brought on by France coming to the aid of the Patriots' cause during the American Revolution. She and Louis were really heavily scapegoated in the press, though, even though it was not their personal spending that was causing all of France's problems. And really, it was, at best, completely clueless of them to be having such a visibly opulent life at Versailles while the rest of the French people were struggling and on the cusp of a revolution. After women marched on Versailles in response to a food shortage, which we've talked about on this podcast before, Louis and Marie Antoinette were forced to return to Paris, and they were virtually held captive there. As the French Revolution spread, the royal family tried to escape on June 20th of 1791, but they were captured and imprisoned, and Louis was executed on January 21st of 1793. Marie Antoinette died by guillotine on October 16th, 1793, after having been found guilty of treason in a very sensationalized and lurid trial. She was the last queen of France. Because of all this hair and gowns and opulence and excess and wild parties, she has developed a reputation for being uncaring and greedy. There's that whole rumor that she was told that French peasants couldn't afford to buy bread and she very dismissively said to let them eat cake. That's not true. That is a story that was about a completely different princess. In reality, she had a very generous streak when it came to other people, particularly those who were needy. She sold the royal flatware at one point to try to buy grain for poor people during a famine. She established a home for unwed mothers. She took in an orphaned boy and oversaw his education. So even though she's been sort of branded as this uncaring, greedy, flippant, 
a frivolous woman who spent all of France's money on her hair and clothes, she had a very generous and soft-hearted streak that's often forgotten in the face of all of that. Thanks very much to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on this podcast, and you can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts, and you can tune in tomorrow for a congressional first. Hey y'all, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, where we uncover a new layer of history every day. The day was November 2nd, 1936. The British Broadcasting Corporation, or BBC, television service was broadcast from Alexander Palace in North London, making it the world's first regularly scheduled public high-definition television service. The BBC had been experimenting with television broadcasts since the late 1920s. Scottish engineer John Logie Baird, who demonstrated the first working television in 1926 and succeeded in transmitting live pictures from London to New York, helped set up the BBC's first television program. Baird built a television studio in Longacre, experimenting with a small transmitter. He used his electromechanical system with a vertically scanned image of 30 lines. But TV needs one transmitter for sound and one for picture. Because the BBC only had one transmitter, the first TV programs had to have a couple of minutes of picture, followed by a couple minutes of sound. By March of 1930, the BBC had a new twin transmitter, and simultaneous sound and picture transmission began. The BBC began broadcasting its first regular experimental television programming on August 22, 1932, from Studio BB in the basement of Broadcasting House, its headquarters in London. The initial broadcasts were produced by Eustace Robb, and the chief engineer was Douglas Birkinshaw. Baird appeared on the first program to thank the BBC. The BBC's early TV programs demonstrated the potential of the medium. These regular daily transmissions continued until the system shut down in 1935 to make way for the new high-definition service. A German TV service had begun in 1935, but since it only offered pictures with 180 lines, it did not qualify as high-definition in the BBC's book. The BBC had decided that anything 240 lines or above was high-definition. After test and special broadcasts began in August of 1936, the BBC television service officially launched under the leadership of Director of Television Gerald Cock on November 2, 1936. The first program was a bulletin of British movie tone news. The Television Advisory Committee recommended that both the Baird 240-line mechanical system and the Marconi EMI 405-line electronic system be used for the new television station. Each system had its own broadcast studio. Early television sets supported both systems, and the BBC transmitted them on alternating weeks during a trial period. An estimated 500 television sets received the BBC television services broadcast. The initial broadcast only ran from 3 to 4 p.m. and 9 to 10 p.m., Monday to Friday. The Marconi system won out in 1937, after the Baird system was deemed too cumbersome and its visual quality proved inferior. The BBC did its first major television outside broadcast in May of 1937, when it took cameras to the coronation of King George VI. 
Because recording technology was not yet available, people used a technique called telerecording, also known as kinescoping, where a camera focused on a television screen filmed the live picture to preserve the broadcast. A Marconi Company employee filmed the coronation on his home TV. The last program to air before World War II brought broadcast to a halt was a Mickey Mouse cartoon. The station was taken off the air on September 1st, 1939, a couple of days before Britain declared war on Germany, since Britain feared that the VHF, or Very High Frequency Transmissions, would act as a beacon to enemy aircraft. There were an estimated 20,000 TV sets in Britain at the time. BBC television was back up and running by June of 1946. The Mickey Mouse cartoon that they had left everybody with was shown 20 minutes after broadcast resumed. I'm Eve Shefcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you know you already spend too much time on social media, spend some of that time with us at TDIHC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If email's your thing, send us a note at thisday at iheartmedia.com. We're here every day, so you know where to find us. Bye! For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.